Well, hey, we're so glad you guys are here. Um, if you have been here in the last few weeks, Pastor Rick has been going over this series called Resurrecting Relationships. And here's where we, this is true, that the resurrection on the cross was for our salvation, that we could be with Christ forever, which is wild. It's a crazy thing that we believe in. But even crazier is the belief that the resurrection of Jesus actually affects you and I and how we get along here on earth. Is that amazing? That God has something in plan for our relationship. And so today the, the message is called God's Secret Ingredient. And we know what the Bible says about being a good parent and being a good spouse and being a good friend. These are all really important things. But have you ever considered what happens when our relationships get strained and broken, which is an experience we all go through? If you've ever been stuck in a relationship and feel like, I can't move forward with this, it is too hard. There's something that's, that's blocking a love connection, and I don't know what it is, and I don't know what to do about it. Has anybody ever been in a situation like that? Amen. Me too. The good news is God's word gives us what I would like to call the key ingredient for our relationships, something that could bring our relationships back to life, resurrect them in a new way. So before we get there, um, there's a couple things that, that I think are really true about relationships. I'm going to start here. The first one is this. I don't know if you've recognized this, but relationships are the most valuable things we have. Have you recognized that? Uh, Denzel Washington once said it this way, you'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Meaning that your stuff doesn't go with you into the next life. Your legacy doesn't go with you into the next life. People will remember you for a little bit, but not forever. They'll, given enough time, people will forget who you are. <laughs> Everyone's like, why did I come to church today? <laughs> but this is the truth, yeah? The one thing that we can invest in here on earth that's going to carry over into eternity are people. They're relationships. That's what's coming with us from this life to the next. Amen? So this is what we spend our time, our energy, our effort, our money, everything we have, we spend it on people. We spend it on relationships because that's an internal investment. Isn't that true? So the number two truth that I want to talk about this is that relationships are not transactional. They're transformational. Here's what that means. Most of us, if we're honest, we cling to people that benefit us in some way. Yeah? There's, I want a friendship with someone, or maybe you're married to someone because they offer something to you, and your relationship is built off what I can get from that person. Now you're like, oh, he caught me. <laughs> this is all of us. That's the good news. All of us are like this. But we have to remember, what's the purpose of your relationships? You might not like all your friends. You might not get along with your parents or your kids. What's the purpose of those relationships? The purpose of each relationship is that God speaks to people. Kind of what Megan said, how God speaks to the Air Force, which speaks to people. God speaks to my parents who speak into my life. Isn't that true? God speaks to my friends who speak into my life. God speaks to me who speaks into other people's lives as well. God uses us to speak to his people. They transform us. Our relationships are meant to transform us more into his image. Isn't that awesome? And many of us, there's this thing we call social capital. Sometimes in, in the business world, you get to know people because there's something good for your business if you're networked with the right people. In terms of kingdom relationships, that, that's, I think that's fine in business because you need to, <laughs> God will grow your business through business relationships. But I think for us, for our spiritual kingdom relationships, there's no transaction. If, if I don't get what I need from you, you're out. There's none of that. 
It's I'm going to love you because God has given you in my life. You are a blessing just because you're living and breathing and you're in front of me. (laughs) Amen? There's nothing you might offer that will benefit me, but I'm going to love you anyway. That's a Christ-like kind of love. So those are two things I really want to get... um, get across because I feel like those are really important truths to stand on when it comes to our relationships. But there's a problem. And maybe you guys know this problem. There's a problem with all of our relationships that we all get ourselves into trouble with. And it's this. Here's the problem. People are, say it with me, selfish. Turn to the person next to you until I knew it. (laughs) I called it. I'm exposing all of you. Here's the thing. People are selfish, and this might be a news flash to you. Here's how we mostly think of this, that everybody else is selfish, but I'm not. <laughs> We're really good at finding other people's selfishness. We're really bad at seeing our own. Isn't that true? So we're really bad at seeing our... The problem, though, lies in not just how much selfishness exists. Here's what's true about us. You might be gracious and generous and kind and loving, and those are all the biggest things about you. Selfishness might not be the biggest character trait about you, But selfishness has this sneaky component where it can slip into relationships and totally ruin the entire thing. This is the truth about selfishness. I want to talk to you. Oh, C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, friend, says the spirit, could you for a moment fix your mind on something not yourself? (laughs) I don't know about you. Holy Spirit tells me this all the time. Mark, it's not about you. It's not about your feelings. It's not about your needs. It's not about you. It's not about you, but our minds tend to make us the center of our own universes, which becomes the self-centered problem that the Bible talks a lot about. But I want to I tell you that in this way. This is our family. We love baking. So that's Meg. Uh, sorry, that's Meg. That's Meg's mom. That's what Meg will look like in about 30 years. Um, that's Meg's mom, June, my awesome mother-in-law. And then um, those are our kids baking. Our kids are getting super into baking. And Esther is getting really good at scooping and measuring, and they wear their aprons. They're super adorable. But one, th- one time, Esther, just a little while ago, Esther did something tragic to a batch of cupcakes. She, we were baking cupcakes, and instead of a cup of sugar, they weren't labeled, she put in a cup of salt. So she put a cup of salt instead of sugar. Nobody knew, noticed, so we just stirred it, mixed it. I guess nobody licked the batter. We put it right in the oven. Those bad boys came out, put them on the cooling rack, slapped some icing on them. Boom. <laughs> The worst cupcakes you've ever tasted in your life. They were awful. It looked like, like seriously, someone dipped it in the ocean. That's what it tastes like. So salty. And this is, gave me a clear vision of how selfishness works, is it looks like it's something good on the outside, but as soon as it sneaks into the relationship, the recipes of our relationship, it has the ability to taint the whole thing. Isn't that true? So here's how, here's how relationships work. God has given us a recipe. He's given us the same way we put like baking soda, baking flour, flour, eggs, all these ingredients and mix them. God has given us a huge recipe for our relationships. He says, first, love God. And out of that love, love your neighbor as yourself. Lay down your life. Be sacrificial. Be generous. Love is patient, kind, good, faithful, humble, gentle. He's given us all these ingredients. Go and have a healthy relationship following my commands. But what we do is we bring a little bit of selfishness into that. And that selfishness can taint all those good ingredients that we've put into our relationships. Isn't that true? Here's another example of the sneakiness of selfishness, where we think it's good, but oftentimes it's still selfish. One time, me and Jude were walking along the canal, and we found 20 bucks. And I was like, Jude, we found 20 bucks. It was like the most exciting part of our day. We found 20 bucks, and we picked it up. This is a true story. Picked it up. And Jude, being like just a total sensitive, caring, thoughtful kid, he's six, 
He looked at me and he wasn't sharing in my excitement. I'm like, Jude, why aren't you sharing? We found 20 bucks. This is good news for all of us. And he said, well, dad, doesn't that mean somebody else dropped 20 bucks? I was like, <laughs> it was like a gut. It was like, a, oh, Judy, kidding me? Conviction through my child. Like, what is this? So I tried to rationalize. I said, Jude, we cannot find who actually owns this $20. It's on the ground. The Lord is giving it to us, okay? This is how it works. And so he was unsure about it. And so what we did is we thought about it. We thought about it, and we, we did the right thing, and we went and bought plate lunch. <laughs> I am not even joking. We just like, what else do you do? Because that's, I wish that story had a better ending. But truth is... We went and bought plate lunch because we didn't know what else to found 20 bucks. We're like, the Lord's providing lunch. That's what we must be doing. But truth is, even in my own selfishness, I thought I was right. This $20 belongs to me. <laughs> yeah? Because selfishness likes to point this way. And if anything gets in the way of me getting what I want, I'm going to find a way to navigate it with my thoughts to make sure I rationalize everything that, that I want. <laughs> Isn't that true? This is how selfishness works. It looks like sugar. It's salt. It's salt because it corrupts our mind to keep thinking about ourselves more than we think about others. So here's how James says it in James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Sorry, i got to click my own button. James chapter 3 says this. For where... Oh, sorry. Here's the, the, the truth. That selfishness often goes unnoticed. Isn't that true? You guys might not notice it in your own lives. You might notice it in other people. But that's the truth. So here's how James says it. He says, for wherever there is jealousy and what? selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Wow. So where you come into a relationship with a little bit of jealousy, with a little bit of selfish agenda, selfish motive, you're going to find a, a litany of evil practices that follow if that selfishness is not addressed. So your relationship is going to be built upon your own selfishness or jealousy is what he's saying. And it, it leads, it's a gateway to so many different kind of dysfunctions in our relationships. So here's the question is, well, how do we address selfishness? It's a tricky one, right? How do we address selfishness? Once it, the salt is already in the batter, how many of you guys try, think you can pull a cup of salt out of a batter that's already been mixed, right? So the good news is that God gives us a way. But I want to ask you guys this question. This is the big question that I feel like we, God might be wanting to ask us this morning. And this, this is, how aware are you of your own selfishness? How aware of you are you of where you start thinking more about yourself than your spouse? Where you think more about yourself than your kids? Where you think more about yourself than your grandparents and other kupuna in your life? Your friends, your coworkers, etc. Where do you find yourself so self-seeking and if you don't, can't name any place where you're partly selfish, it might be time for more reflection. Because all of us will have a place and a time and a relationship where that's us. All of us do. So I want to show you this too. If you're like, I, if I don't know, if you don't know where I'm selfish, just ask someone who's close to you. They'll tell you exactly where you're selfish. But I'll tell you about this guy named John Gottman. John Gottman is a marriage guru. He had been studying divorces for his entire life. He got to the point he got 4,000 couples he studied. He could predict within a five-minute conversation if a couple would get divorced based upon the presence of four indicators of selfishness in their relationship. And so this is wild. So he could, in five minutes, he could tell you this couple's going to get divorced if they don't address these things and it, with a 96% accuracy. That's crazy. So here's the point. These things are really bad for your relationship. And whether it's a marriage or, or any kind of friendship or working relationship, these things still hit. Number one is criticism. 
So criticism is when you come into a relationship or you're with someone and you start just nitpicking behaviors, right? You never, and we use like really exaggerated language. You never take out the rubbish. You always tease me. Every time I try to do something nice, you always mock me, right? So we use this kind of like heightened language to point out that we don't like your behavior. There's something wrong with what you're doing. And that's where it starts. And that t- turns into this thing called, called defensiveness. Anybody ever been defensive before? <laughs> it's like, good. This is a confessional time. So defensiveness is the time where after criticism, you start receiving that criticism. And you're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm going to push that blame back on you. You put up a nice, firm bounce, like, what is it? Sticks and stones may, may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Like, you can throw all your criticism at me, but I'm just going to bend it right back towards you. And so, oh, well, yeah, I don't take out the garbage just because you, um, you never tell me that I'm supposed to take out the garbage or whatever. We'll find out some stupid reason why, why the other person is to blame. This has happened in Genesis 3. Genesis 3, woman, why did you eat the apple? Or man, why did the woman eat the apple? It was a woman. Woman, why did you eat the, the fruit? It was the snake. This is the defensive spirit. No, you don't take ownership of your things. You just bounce it and deflect and you, you blame the other person. It gets worse. There's the next one. It's called contempt. Everyone say contempt. This should be a part of your vocabulary because this can ruin your relationship. This is the biggest indicator of relationship ruin. Here's what contempt means. Contempt means when you're so salty and bitter and disgusted at the other person, you stop criticizing their behavior. You start criticizing their character. So instead of like, you never take out the rubbish, it's like, you're lazy. You're pathetic. You know what I mean? And it starts cutting you to the core. And you're like, oh. And so this has the effect. When we start getting into this place, it gets so personal and it gets so ugly that any kind of our relationships, it could break any one of them. Whether your marriage, your, with your kids, your family, your friends, etc. This is partially why online relationships are so fickle. Right? We unfollow people really quickly because people can be so rude and so harsh online more than they can in person. And so we're like, oh, out of this relationship. That's a lot of toxicity coming out of that. But the last one is when there's so much contempt, the last one is called stonewalling. Everyone say stonewalling. Stonewalling, especially for men, this is very big with men. When there's so much critique, there's so much contempt, and people are insulting us and mocking us and using sarcasm, and it hurts hurts us, we put up this big stonewall in front of our hearts, and we say, enough. I'm not taking it anymore. I'm out. I'm not listening. So any time this stonewall gets put up, you're talking about the end of a relationship because I'm putting up something between us so there's no more love. Love cannot flow anymore. I'm not allowing you into my heart. I'm not allowing you into my mind. And so when we get to stonewalling, if it's not addressed by then, then we have serious problems in our relationships. We see relationships split at this point. But here's the good news. If you're reading this list and you're like, oh, shucks, I'm guilty of some of those because I am too. The good news is that God gives us a way not just to tell us what a good relationship looks like, but to take these selfish ingredients and take them out of the relationship so that we can put sugar back in. Isn't that awesome? God is so good. Amen? So let's, let's talk about what that is because the, the big thing is um, the solution that God gives us is a key ingredient is this. And it's, it's talked about from Genesis to Revelation. God talks about this word all the time, but we often swing and miss when it comes to putting it into practice. You guys ready for it? God's key ingredient? But before I tell you, it's going to cost you something. Is that okay? If you know the answer to this, you're going to, I'm telling you right now, there's going to be something you're going to have to give up. Are you cool with that? Everyone's, anybody want to leave before you hear this word? 
Okay, <laughs> some of you are like, I'm out. <laughs> okay, here is the secret ingredient. You guys are like not going to like this. You ready? Here's the secret ingredient of how we can rehab our relationships. It's a word called submission. Everyone say submission. You're like, what? Submission? What is that? That's it? That's the key? Come on. <laughs> so some of you guys, when you think of submission, you think of something like this, yeah? So MMA people... You're like, this is, man, if I put this in my relationship, guaranteed I could settle all my beef, right? Spouses, you're like, yeah, total arm bar. Yep, yeah, pow, our, our beef is squashed. That's not submission in a biblical manner. Some of you guys think about it like this. And this is how submission has been misconstrued over the years is that someone to be submissive means that someone is going to dominate you and walk all over you. And someone's going to control you. And in order to submit, I got to let someone be a tyrant in my life, Yeah. That's not biblical submission. That's the good news. That's not what the Bible talks about submission. So let's take a look at this passage because it's a really heavy one for a lot of people. Ephesians 5, he's talking to, to couples, to married couples. He says this. He says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Men are like, oh, yeah, told you. Um, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Ben, can I get an amen, right? <laughs> amen, amen, yeah. Here's the bad news. If this has ever been a passage that's used, been used in a way to, to foster an unhealthy relationship between husband and wife, this actually, if we read this without the verse above it, we miss it. Here's what the verse above this, right? Is, this starts at 22. Verse 21 says this. It says, submit to what? One another out of reverence for Christ. And after that passage, it goes on to tell men, men, you love your wives like Christ loves the church. He gave his life up for her. So this is the point. Submission in the Bible is beautifully mutual. When it comes to our relationships, our earthly relationships, it is not a one-way street. If someone has ever said, you need to submit to me, they've already lost what it means to the, the biblical definition of submission. That's what they've already missed. Submission is never meant to be something used to control or manipulate or show authority over. It's actually meant to love. This is what submission is. So let's unpack it a little bit. Here's a couple of things that submission does not do. Number one, it does not allow someone to control or dominate someone else. Number two, it also is not meant to make you weak or make you give up your sense of self. So sometimes we feel like, oh, if I have to submit to someone, I have to stop being who I've called to be so I can put myself in a tiny little box and be subject to somebody else. That's not submission. Submission is not actually about authority. Submission is actually about love. So we, it, put it this way. The verse does not say, men, tell your wives to submit to you. Who does he talk to? Wives, submit to your husbands. The point is to find a way to Put yourself underneath somebody so that you may love them better. So your calling is to submit. Your calling is not to receive submission. Does that make sense? Both men, husband and wives have been commanded to submit. My kuleana is to stay in my lane and be like, okay, Lord asked me submit to submit to my wife. I'm not going to tell her how to submit to me. I'm just going to do what I know that God has put on my heart, and that's to submit to her. How can I love her like Christ loved the church? How can I die to myself so that she can be elevated and she can be loved and, and cherished in a big, beautiful way. So some of you might have had bad experience of this word. 
And I, I just want to give you encouragement. If this word has ever been against, especially women, if this verse has been used against you, it has been misused. It has been grossly misused. I want to really unpack. Let's go to the Greek because the Greek gives us a really beautiful vision of this. Here's the word submission in Greek. Everyone say, hupotasso. Hupotasso. It's a fun word to say. Hupotasso is not a one-time thing. You just submit one time, pow. Submission in Greek is an active putting yourself under. Hupotasso literally means to position yourself under somebody else. That's all it means. But here's the idea is if we position ourselves underneath somebody, there's two ways. Think about it this way. If I'm standing next to my wife and the Lord says, get under your wife. Like, what do you mean get under? There's two things I can do. I can dig a hole in the ground and make myself lower to make her higher. Or I can do what? Elevate her above myself. That's the visual. My goal to hupotasso is to get under her, to lift her up higher than myself in expectation that her calling is to do the same for me. So how does the rotation work? Hupotasso, 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 hupotasso. The sky is the limit with our relationships if we're obedient to the ongoing submission of one to another in love. We push each other higher and higher and higher. What does our selfishness tell us? Our selfishness tells us if I cut somebody down, that's how I platform myself higher. That's not how the kingdom works. If I cut somebody down... All they're going to do is cut me down, and we're going to be fighting for who's going lower and lower. As soon as I start elevating in love, I hupotasso people. The sky is the limit for what God can do with a relationship. Amen? This is how we change the dynamics of our relationships. We start submitting to people in love. So here's how we hupotasso for Jesus. You guys might have seen this on T-shirts. It says this, that he, this is John the Baptist talking. He says that Jesus must become what? Greater and greater, and I must become Less and less. What does that mean? He uses this word greater and greater. Less and less. It's ongoing. Submission is not a one-time thing. He says, if Jesus is going to continue to be greater than I am, I have to continue to make myself under him. I have to submit myself under Jesus. He becomes greater and greater. I become less and less. That doesn't mean less in value. It means that I become less in order to think about him more than me. He becomes greater. Here's how we hubotasso for other people. It says this in Romans. I love this verse. Don't just pretend to love others, but what? Really love them. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) Just love people. It's not that hard. Don't pretend to love people. Really love them. How do we love them? Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection and outdo one another in showing honor. Oh, wait. Outdo. This, what it's implying is there is a competition in your marriage for who's going to love the better, yeah? There's a competition in, within families, with kids, who's going to love the parents better? Who's going to love each other better? There's a spiritual competition where we've been, we've been provoked to outdo one another, to exceed the next person, not to be better, but to what? To lay my life down better. Outdo one another in showing the other person honor, and if that's a hard thing to conceptualize, let me tell you about this thing. I'll give you a little cultural, um, cultural commentary. So in Canada, we have these things called Canadian street fights, okay? Okay, you're like, wait, what? Canadians don't scrap like the way they scrap West Side. We scrap with, we scrap with politeness. So what that means is, you know, Canadians are stereotypically polite. If you, this is true. If you go to Canada, if anyone ever goes to Canada, if you try to walk, two people walk inside a door at the same time, you'll get this standoff. 
Oh, you go in first there, bud. Oh, no, no, I insist. You beat me too. No, no, no. They'll go for minutes at a time trying to tell the other person to go first, and neither of them will budge because they're trying to outdo one another and showing honor, right? Same thing when you get to the, like, the grocery till at the front of the line. It's always like, oh, you get three items. Go ahead of me there, bud. Oh, no, the hockey game's on. Why don't you go first? And this, Like, literally, it's annoying. It's, you stand at the grocery. I'm like, can someone just go? But they trip each other up because they're so busy trying to be the more polite person. This is how relationships ought to look. It should be annoying how much we're trying to love the other person. Amen? Like, you know how kids, when you see your parents show PDA, and you're like, yeah, that's how annoying it should be. Like, there should be so much love, it, it drives people around you crazy, right? Because it's different. This is the peculiarity of the gospel kind of love that Jesus calls us to. To outdo one another in showing honor. Amen? So I love that. So... Here's, here's God's way. God's way. God's way is this, is to serve others first, trusting that you will be served in return. This takes faith. I'm going to serve first, and I'm going to trust that in return, I'm going to be served as well. It might not happen. That's the risk we take. I'm going to serve the other person, and I'm going to trust that God's going to speak to them in the way that I serve. I submit myself to them and love them and love them well. And God, if they're stubborn and they're, not, they're receiving the love, they're not reciprocating it, it gets really hard. And I want to say that too this morning because this is probably a question in your mind. is like, Pastor Mark, I've been submitting in love to someone in my life for a long time and they don't reciprocate. I try my best. I've been just like learning to humble myself and make myself available to love and to speak life and I give them gifts and I shower them with praises, but it's never returned. What do I do? I'm going to give you an encouragement and a challenge, if that's okay. Encouragement is this. Remember Jesus, the night before he was crucified, washed his disciples' feet. That included Judas. Judas, who he knew was going to betray him, it did not keep Jesus from washing his feet. Amen? This is the calling of us as Christ followers. I'm going to wash your feet even if I know you're going to backstab me. That's a wild love. And that's what we've been called to. Now, I want to say this too. If you're in an abusive relationship, and like physically abusive, emotionally abusive, this does not, submission does not give you permission or it make you anchored into a relationship where the, if you're in an abusive relationship, what's loving oftentimes is just to leave because it's, you're hurting yourself and you're hurting people around you by staying in that. But more for most of us, Serving others first, submitting first means I'm going to lay down my needs. I'm going to na- lay down my, my rights, the things I feel like I, I'm rightfully owed, and I'm going to love. I'm going to love well. And we trust that God will do that in return. Amen? So that's the goal. Look, check out how Paul says in Philippians. He says, don't be what? Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of yourselves, thinking of others better than yourselves. Think of others better than yourselves. When you walk into a room, is your first mindset, man, the people in this room are greater than I am. Man, how can I love them? How can I serve these people? Or is it, how can people serve me? Where do we position and prioritize our needs and our desires in and among our relationships? Paul says it very clearly. Position people higher than yourselves. Care about their needs more than you care about your own. Why? Because we trust that God is going to take care of all of our needs. 
I don't have to need that out of a person. I need that out of Jesus. My calling is to love a person and trust Jesus will take care of my needs. Amen? And he'll use that other person. Don't get me wrong. But our calling is to rely on Jesus and love well. He says it this way too. He goes on in the same verse. He goes on to say this. He says that you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, think about this. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Wait, wait, wait. Jesus was not a haimakamaka God. He didn't come down and cling to his version of say, I am God, I'm going to lord myself over you. He came down, did not cling to his status of being God, but instead he gave up his divine privilege. He hupotasod humanity. He gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a servant and was born as a human being. The greatest act of submission was when God submitted himself to our dirty world. And he came into our lives and he said, I'm going to submit to love to you, even though you don't deserve it, to lift you to a higher level. Jesus is the greatest example of huputaso. Jesus never dominated, never showed authority, never told us. I mean, he had authority, you know what I mean, but he never lorded himself over us. He came and served us. This is the love that we ought to replicate. Amen? And I think he goes on to say it this way. Oh, here's the point. It's genuine love that transforms relationships. And don't miss this. What is genuine love? Genuine love is when you are in a position to love somebody well. This is why we submit. This is why I believe the Lord has called us to submit. It's because when you humble yourself and submit to somebody else, you put their needs above your own, that's what genuine love looks like. You've passed the litmus test of what it takes to be genuine love. Here's what not is not genuine love. What, what is not genuine love is when you say, I'll meet your needs if you first meet mine. If you do this for me, if you show me respect, then I'll love you back. That's conditional love. God has called us to an unconditional love where we lay ourselves down first and we trust that we will be elevated in return. Amen? So here's how Jesus himself says it. He says this, there's no greater love. There's no more genuine love than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. So if you're here this morning, I want to quickly ask you, what does hupotasso look like in your life? How do you take the salt out of the batter and replace it with sugar? We die to our own selfishness and we allow God to put something sweet back into our relationship. Submission is how that happens. So for, for many of you, you might be here being like, man, I don't know. What does submission look like? I want to give you, this might be you. These are the things that the Lord put on my heart. The first one he says is this. First, submit yourself to the Lord. Submit yourself to his ways. If you are walking a life not submitted to loving God, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss what life is all about. Submit, submitting to the Lord also means submitting to a community of believers so that we can sharpen each other. Amen? That we allow each other to speak into our lives. For parents, this is a big one. Parents, hear me out. Submitting to your kids might be admitting when you're wrong and asking for forgiveness. Amen? I've been in youth work a while, and I know this. I hear this all the time. Not from our kids, other kids. <laughs> but I hear this. Pastor Mark, if my parents would just admit that they were wrong, it would mean the world to me. Could we humble ourselves in a way just to admit to our kids, not have to be dominating over their lives, but just to admit to them, man, guys, I was wrong. Forgive me for snapping at you. Yeah? Humble yourselves. Submit to your kids. Kids, both young and grown-up kids, Continue to honor your parents higher than yourself. Amen? Continue to uplift. Your parents get so annoying when you get in high school. It's just those four years they're annoying. I don't know why that is. 
But even in their most annoying state, God has asked you, he's commanded us to honor your father and mother, and he gives us a promise that it's going to go well with you for a long time. So keep holding them higher for yourself. For all of us, submission means choosing to honor and cherish people with your words, even if you don't, they don't deserve it. Amen? A quick story, I want to end it with this. is I was uh, A couple years ago, I was hired at a school, and, and this school, it was like my dream job. They were kind of like, oh, they hired me to disciple these kids and to plan pr- trips and events and programs, and I was loving it, and I felt like I was doing a really great job. My supervisor, who had authority over me, did not like me for some reason. And you're like, you, Pastor Mark? I know, right? Me. She didn't like me. But here's the point. For whatever reason it was, we were beefing. And so I went into her office one day, and I was like, hey, something's got to change here. Because I feel like I'm doing good things. She was canceling my plans, canceling my trips, and staff meetings, talking down about me in front of everybody. And I was like, I'm feeling offended I'm feeling critical, and my, my desire was to be defensive and to put up a stone wall. But I was like, you know what, Lord? I'm going to talk about it. So I talked with her about it. It got really heated. That meeting ended with her being like, Mark, you're fired. Oh. Fired? Do you know what I've been doing to this place? Do you know the impact that I've been having at this place? This was an injustice to me, but good for me that I had parents and friends at home being like, Mark, submit to a decision that's out of your control. Submit in love. My thing, for you might be the same way, my temptation is to run my mouth. I like talk stink. I like pollute the environment. I wanted to leave that school and throw her under the bus and slander her name so that nobody would ever want to work with her again. That was the temptation of my own selfishness. Because I held my tongue, I bit my tongue, and I just allowed it to happen. This weird thing happened where just months later, New administration came in, and they approached me, and they said, hey, Mark, we know what happened to you, and it was really, it was really unjust, but we really love how you handled yourself. We want you to come back on staff. And I was like, no, I don't want to because you guys hurt me, and I don't want to submit myself to an institution, to leadership that has hurt me and frustrates me. I'm too good for you guys. I was still seeing myself higher than the needs of those leaders. And here's what God did. He softened my heart. And he says, I've been making you go through this for a reason. Submit yourself in love. Say yes. And they actually hired me at a promotion, which is wild. So I got hired at a promoted level and they came in. Amen. And they came in and people, the students were like, Pastor Mark, wait a minute. Aren't you, weren't you fired? <laughs> and I was like, I guess so. But now I'm back. And it was confusing to everybody. But here's what I, what I learned is that in our own selfishness, we want to slander. It's going to come out in our words. It's going to come out in our actions, our selfishness. If we can maintain that, if we can keep from pouring the salt into our relationships and to submit to one another in love, even against grave injustices the way Jesus did, God has a way of turning things around. Hearts will be softened. Opportunities will be opened. Your name will be cleared because of him, not because of what you've done. See, here's the thing. Submission is not about your own vindication. Submission is about restoring relationships. This is why we do it. If something's broken in your life, if there's a relationship in your life that needs repairing, God might be saying it's time to submit in a new way. Love, lay yourself down first and trust that I'm going to move in that. Amen? So we're going to pray, and we're going to pray and honor God together and sing one more worship song, but let's bow our heads, and I want you to just to talk to God with your eyes closed this morning. If there's someone in your life that you know there's a tension, there's a strain in your relationship, and you're like, God, resurrect this relationship.
I want you to think of that person. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you give us clarity where we are selfish and where our relationships are broken and they need repair. God, I just pray that this morning that you would come in and you would infiltrate. Thank you, God, for giving us this beautiful recipe of relationships, this beautiful way to navigate life, the beautiful connection that we get to have together as humans. We thank you, Lord, that you have done a work on the cross that gives us an opportunity to restore even the most broken, bust-up relationships we get. And so, Jesus, we just pray this morning as you put people on our hearts, may we have the courage to submit to one another in love. May we lay our needs, our desires, our selfishness down and think about others before ourselves. Jesus, I just pray for, for each one here. I pray, God, for the weary hearts that have been saying, hey, I've been loving and submitting for a long time and I'm not seeing anything in return. Pray, I pray, God, for the challenge in our spirit to love like you did, to love with an enduring love, that even when we rejected you, you still loved us. So God, may, may you just infiltrate our relationships. May you resurrect what we think has been dead. May you do miraculous work in marriages. May you do a miraculous work in families as you reconcile these relationships back together. But Jesus, we just want to honor you and love you as the creator of all relationships. We know that it's your kingdom come, your will done here on earth as it is in heaven. So God, may our relationships on earth reflect what they'll look like in heaven. Jesus, we invite you into our relationships this morning. We honor you and praise you and all God's people said this morning. Amen. Aloha, church family. Thank you so much for joining with us in worship this morning. We truly hope that you were refreshed and, and strengthened in your faith during these crazy pandemic days. We want, invite you to look at all of our messages. They're available on our YouTube channel. We'd also invite you to download our church app. It's just a great way for us to keep in touch, to communicate, also for you to receive materials. So uh, take advantage of downloading that church app. We would invite you to partner with us as we continue serving God faithfully during these days. And you can give online, you can give on our website, uh, or mail a check into our street address. We really appreciate your support with that. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord grant you peace. We love you. Aloha.